0: Ghost writing is pretty much what we do as copywriters. We write the words and others get to claim them as their own. But have you ever been asked to write something more substantial than a blog, some web copy or a brochure? Have you ever been asked to write someone else's book? That's the kind of ghost writing we're talking about today. Specifically, what you need to know to add it to your portfolio of services. Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm a copywriter and my business is Copyright Matters. That's where you're going to find heaps of great content and courses all about copywriting. No Kate, today though, as I'm chatting to US writer, Cindy Childress, we do so love doing these interviews together, Kate and I, but time zones and family schedules means that sometimes we do have to divide and conquer. But I'm really excited to welcome Cindy to the show. Hello, Cindy. Hello, Belinda. Thank you. What a lovely introduction. Oh, well, I mean, for some of you who listen, you don't know who Cindy is. Some of you may. So Cindy is known as the expert ghostwriter, a ghostwriter and book editor for coaches and consultants that go on to achieve Amazon bestseller status, book TEDx talks, build coaching businesses and create nonprofits. Cindy developed a trademark framework called Write My Book Blueprint and the whole idea behind that was to create reading experiences that encourage reviews and turn readers into lifelong fans of the author. Her best clients want to publish books that make an impact and she's committed to write and edit their books to look and feel like any other bestseller in a major bookstore. Now, I met Cindy at Copy Chief Live in 2018, and today I'm going to be picking her brain about her process, that trademark framework, and what it takes to become a successful ghostwriter. So, oh, Cindy, what a <laughs> bio! I love reading out a great bio. So, let's start at the very, very beginning. You have a PhD in English, and I'd love to get a feel for how you ended up as a ghostwriter. How do you?
1: How, what was your career journey like? Yes. So I got the PhD in English mainly because I wanted to be a professional writer and my family was very scared for me and thought I would be very poor and have no luck (laughs) in that. (laughs) So I really got the PhD in English to have a fallback of teaching and, you know, being an academic because my family believed that was important. So, you know, it's really it's a beautiful degree. I get to put it on my wall. I worked really hard for it, but my own passion had always been writing more than like criticism um, and teaching. So when I finished my PhD, my husband had the opportunity to work overseas in oil and gas in Malaysia and Indonesia. So. I took the road less traveled at that point, and I walked away from the possibility of an academic career um, to live the posh life of an expat in Southeast Asia, which um, was a lot of fun. And I raised a lot of money for nonprofits and did a lot of copywriting um, for the nonprofits that I was president of. Um, But then when I returned to the States, I had a seven-year work gap, and so I reinvented myself as a freelance writer. So, how did you
0: choose freelance writing? I mean, you said you did some copywriting. I want to figure out why why didn't you take copywriting? What led you to choose ghostwriting?
1: Yeah, well, in the beginning, um, when I started my business, I offered every kind of writing I'd ever done with much success. (laughs) So my business was kind of all over the place. And I did copywriting. I wrote some website copy and I did content writing. I would write blogs and articles and newsletters. Um, And then I'd edited a book. And I took Marie Forleo's B-School. And the bonus before you start the course is start the right business. And just from that alone, I realized, you know, I was offering way too many things. I was never going to be known for anything specifically. And so I narrowed down to books and the book I'd edited, the person I'm actually having dinner with her tonight and I edited her book three years ago. So that's how happy she is with my work. But um, I realized in that process that I could have done an even better job for her if I'd just written it from the beginning instead of just editing what she already had. Yeah. So um, that put me on the path to being a ghostwriter. I love it. And
0: copywriters listening will understand that challenge of editing someone else's work is almost harder than just writing it from scratch. And when you write it from scratch, you can develop the structure and develop the message so much more thoroughly. Agreed. So what is the, in your, in your introduction that I read out, you talked about working with clients who, who want to make an impact. Do you have a favorite kind of book you like to write or that you write most often
1: or a favorite client? Yes. Well, the kind of book that I most like to write is a hybrid between self-help and memoir. So that ideal client is someone that has a transformational story that will be inspiring to the readers, but they're also monetizing that experience to build a business. So they're also giving teaching tips and coaching points that might, um, make the person who's reading the book think, wow, I want to learn more from you. I would like to take your course. I would like to sign up for a one-on-one services. I would like to come to the events where you're speaking. Um, and I find that that there's so much more heart In those books and i've even talked to some people that work in the more traditional publishing scene from new york and la and they've said they've seen an uptick in those hybrid self-help memoir books as well so i think the market's just getting started for them and i think they're really powerful to work on and to read
0: yeah absolutely we're definitely seeing more of those books and i feel like with self-publishing as an option these days the idea of writing and publishing a book is a lot more accessible than it used to be, but we're going to get into writing a book versus writing a good book (laughs) in just a bit. (laughs) Um, what, I want to take a quick diversion though. I mean, I assume that you read a lot as well.
1: Yes. What kind of books do you like to read? Well, right now I'm reading a novel by Jeanette Winterson called Frankistan. (laughs) And um, it's about the writing of Frankenstein and the summer that Mary and um, Percy Shelley spent with Lord Byron. Um, And it's just fascinating and I love it. I have a real fetish for those um, Victorian and um, romantic writers. And I also read a lot of books in the subject matter areas that my clients are writing in. So things like Girl, Wash Your Face and Atomic Habits have been books that my clients are like, I want to do something like this. So then I study them to reverse engineer them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm reading Atomic Habits at the moment and it's fantastic. All right. So I'm going to put those in the show notes for anyone who's, you know, listening along at home, of course, we're going to put everything that Cindy mentions in the show notes so you can get it for yourself. So let's dig into this process. So you've got your Write My Book Blueprint framework. Can you walk us through what that's about?
1: Yes, that's the process that I take people through when they do my Get My Book Started package. And this is where we take your idea from just a nebulous concept. I want to write a book and you leave with the blueprint of how to do it. So I do something different than a lot of other book coaches that I know um, because they usually start with what do you want to write about, and I start with who is the audience for this book? Who wants to read it? And we really dig into you know the profile for this person, much the way that your um, the copywriters listening will rec- recognize as you know your own process to figure out who you're writing to sell to. Um, And then we think about what is the pain point they're in right now that's making them, they're ready to read your book. They just don't have, it's not there yet. So they can't have it. You know, what's the pain they're in that makes them want to pick it up? And then where do you want them to be by the end of the book in terms of making progress toward their solution such that they will want to take the next step with you um, to sign up for your list and be a part of your audience to, you know, to get future pitches from you and just stay in touch with where you are in your own journey as an author and an expert and a leader. So, That's the brilliance of it. And then the other piece is what your goals are as an author, because if you don't have really clear goals for when you want this book in your hand and how this book is going to be a wealth tool to further build your business and make a bigger impact, then um, it's going to be really tough for you to stick to your deadlines, even if you've hired a ghostwriter to do the heavy lifting on your book. So that part of it is really important as well. I love that. So this is something that occurred to me because I love the fact that you've basically got a
0: pre-service service. service. Now, why did you break that out as something that people need to do before you get into the writing process rather than just
1: start the writing process there? Yes. The reason I do that is it allows me to be selective as to who I make the proposal to, to work with as a client. Because I am a solopreneur, there are only so many books I can work on at any given time. And I've noticed that when I made the offer too soon before I knew if they did have really clear goals for themselves or if um, they... Don't agree that they need to narrow the audience down and they come into the process wanting to write the book to everyone mm-hmm. um, there's only so much I can do with that so this process also helps me filter out who's a good fit and at the same time it allows me to serve more people because sometimes once you have your write my book blueprint which does come with a table of contents with um, chapter subjects and subheadings sometimes you're ready to write your own book at that point too so that way I'm not just serving Serving people that might be a good fit for ghostwriting, but also people who would like to write their own book, but need some help in the beginning.
0: That's brilliant. And I know a lot of copywriters do something similar where they say, okay, I'm going to add a service before the copywriting to help my clients be ready for the real service that I offer. So, thinking about um, the points and the challenges that are derailing your service, and maybe thinking about how you can prep your clients a little bit more. I think it's mm-hmm. super smart. I love that. So what this is where I want to, this is where I want to dig into this. So um, copywriters, what we often do, and I think you've clearly done the same thing, is that we flesh out our process and make it more robust when we have tricky situations. And it might be a client who doesn't know what they're doing. It might be that we haven't explained things well enough. There's gaps that need to be filled. And Kate and I are huge on process and we say when something goes wrong, you go back to your process. So I'd love to hear some, like, what happened that led you to Hmm. structure your process the way it was?
1: Yes. Well, I had one situation when a woman, um, called me. She'd seen me at a networking event and she said, I want to hire you. Let's get started. And, you know, I, I was brand new. I wasn't fully booked. So I was like, okay, sure. Right. And I just sent her <laughs> the agreement and onboarded her immediately. And, you know, the thing is she was able to pay me, but that's not the entire picture of what qualifies a good lead. So um, she had no she had no vision for what she wanted her book to be like and she wasn't able to submit a writing sample of her writing so that i could analyze it um to look at her sentence structure and word choice so that i could mimic her writing and instead of insisting on it i just said oh that's fun i'll i'm sure i'll we can wing it and you know um as we got into the process she kept saying i don't know how this all fits together and i'm like well you're the one who agreed with me on the table of contents. So I don't know how you don't know that it all fits. And like, as it turned out after months together um, and turning her book into a course because she decided she didn't want to write a book. Then I found out that the audience she told me she was already serving and she'd given me tons of examples and stories. That was all fiction. She had never served that audience. (laughs) Wow. And, it was just you know and when a you mess. think about that yeah i mean i wasn't out money financially she had paid for all the services that i rendered but it as a project it was it was just a waste of both of our time yeah <laughs> and um you know she needed to do a lot of other things before maybe a book would have been appropriate and i like to help people self select there
0: yeah And it's just, it's not, it's not only the risk of being out of pocket because it sounds like that wasn't it, but it's Mm -hmm. just emotionally and mentally grueling when Mm -hmm. you're trying to work through a project and everything's going wrong and everything's so much harder. And that's why having a really strong process is absolutely essential. Thank you for sharing that story. I knew there'd be a <laughs> horror story in there, and I wanted. Yeah. Oh
1: yes, that was that was the big one.
0: <laughs> Do you did you have have you had many of those instances before you developed the blueprint, or did you or was that the one where you went, all right, I've got to tidy this up?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> there was another one I had when somebody wanted to pivot to being a thought leader in a space where they were not already a thought leader, but they had experience. Um, And by the way, I had another client with the same situation and her book came out brilliantly. So I believed it was possible. But what happened when we got into the process of writing the book was I realized this person knew nothing outside of the coach that had coached them in particular. Yeah. And um, I actually ended up knowing more about the topic than the author and I was just trying to add in my own intellectual property just to make it a good book and then the author would refuse and be like I don't know what that is I don't think we need to talk about that and I'd be like how can you not talk about that and have a book on this topic and like that's where I just needed to back up you know yeah and and I did due diligence to create the book that the client had asked for but um it have really been a bad fit. And that's another one that I just should have, um, should have passed on. Um, and that's how I learned. Yeah. And I think, you know, everyone listening will have these
0: similar stories where sometimes we just go, no, no, we're going to push on. We're going to get it <laughs> done because, cause we don't feel like we want to quit, right? We don't want to yeah. feel like we're the one going, oh, this is getting a bit hard now. So I'm just going to tap out because I don't have to do this. We push on, even though our gut's going no, this is wrong. This is wrong. <laughs> so I love the fact that you then have restructured your process because I bet now with that, right, my book blueprint, people who come to you and say, I need a book. I need a self-help instructional memoir style book that is so hot right now. Yeah. But I've got nothing. I've got nothing. <laughs> you know, so I bet a lot of those people are mm-hmm. weeded out in that process.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I've even taken a phone call and they want to hire me right away. And I just give them some homework because that's where they are right now. And yeah. that's, that's a great service to offer. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Because that preparation can be so, so important. It will make everything else a lot easier, much like the copywriting brief. It's hard work. It's mm-hmm. time consuming. There's lots of big questions, but when it's done properly, everything else just follows love that. So let's talk about structures. You said you you read the, the kind of self-helping memoir books to reverse engineer the structure. Um, are, do they have a common structure? Is there a formula to this
1: kind of thing? There is a formula. So generally you want to front load the book because a lot of people only read maybe up to chapter three. <gasps> so, <laughs> wow. I I, was, I sound
0: shocked, but actually I've got about five books on my bedside table. All about up to
1: chapter three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think it's just um being realistic about um what the pop, what the appetite is for a book. Um So you want to put your most important stuff in the first three chapters. So I like to put in chapter one, what your solution is to the biggest problem your target reader is trying to solve, because that way, as soon as they've opened the book, you're addressing the reason they picked the book up and, you know, you're speaking in their language. And then by chapter three, I mean, you've got, you know, probably a hundred and some odd additional pages there and you would love for people to get all the way through and, I make it my mission to write a great book so that when people do read it all through, they get served really well throughout the book. There's not a place in the middle where it just falls off into the abyss. And I think that's the difference between getting a lot of positive reviews um, versus not. But, you know, you don't want to leave your best idea for chapter 10 because a lot of people will never get there. And so... Um, just being honest about that is the way to do it. And then, you know, for each chapter you want exercises, but you also want stories. So one thing I do to make sure I've got a good balance is when I get into the developmental stage, which is to say that the whole first Um, first draft is done, Um, I color code the book. So let's say I highlight in yellow, everything that's a story. And then I highlight in blue, everything that's exposition or teaching. And then I highlight in purple, everything that's an exercise um, for the person to do along with you. And then I print it all and I tape it to the walls. And when I do that, you can stand there and you can say, wow, chapter 10 is almost solid story with no teaching. So we need to add some teaching there. Right. Or, you know, we can say these three chapters don't have any purple. We need exercises for them. And so it's a way to, you can use the table of contents to do a lot of that. Um, but there's no substitute for just standing there and looking around and making sure you've got a good balance.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. That's an instant, instant way to look at that structure. I love it. Do you write, um, what if someone came to you and said, I want to write a different kind of book and they went through the process and you've got a great structure, but it wasn't in that category of books that you write more often.
1: How do you approach those? Yeah, um, I had a situation when that happened and, and it was really, we had a good relationship with the client up to this day. Um, but she realized that the book we had started to write wasn't what she really wanted to do. Um, she wanted to use, um, a voice and style that was, um, much more, um, colloquial Mm -hmm. and, um, kind of slang and it wasn't going to be the kind of professional business book that she'd started out like she wanted to write. And, um, at that point, um, she stopped working with me and hired a different writer who specialized more in that. Mm-hmm. Which I agree was the best way for her to make that switch. Um, I have in my contracts now where if you want to end, if you want to terminate the contract with me, the remaining balance um, is due in full at the time of termination but when I, that's another one of those processes you have to learn from. Yeah. But, um, with that, I didn't have that, um, stipulation in place with her, but honestly, um, you know, it ended up where I'd done everything that she had made her payments for me to do. And then instead of making the next payment for additional work, she went with somebody else and I wouldn't have really been able to do the book the way it ended up in the end, because that's not my zone of genius. Um, So I think it ended well for her, Um, but yeah, it has happened. All right. So let's
0: talk about structuring this as a service. Now, copywriters who have ever been asked, I want to write a book. Can you write my book for me? What's some tips that you can give them to package this up as a service? You've already shared some different ways that you've tightened up your process but what are some big tips that you could share with with people who have been asked to do this?
1: Yes. The first thing you would want to do is um, get an idea of the word count that the client is looking for for the book. That's how I price my books. And so there's the word count and then the thing is the word count reflects the amount of time necessary from the process of the recorded interviews, which is how I get the information. So from the table of contents, um, the agreed upon table of contents, I write open-ended questions for each of the subtopics. And then we do two hour recorded interviews where I'm typing and they're talking. I don't do transcripts because, um, you get a lot of ums and uhs and a lot of throat clearing, um, that is not going to go into the book. So, and beyond that, you, want to give yourself twice as much time to do everything as you believe it will need to take. So I have found that for two hours of recorded interview, I get about 5,000 words, and that reflects about six hours of editing. So... Wow, that's huge. And um, for me to complete a 40,000 word book that takes between 180 and 220 hours. So you want to be... Um, you want to find out from the client if they're going to require you to do research, if they're going to provide the information um, to you. Maybe they've already written a course and they want it to be turned into a book. And maybe that won't require a lot of interviews or research if the information is all there and they just need it to be repurposed. Um, or if they're starting from scratch and you're going to be doing recorded interviews, um, you know, so... Just taking into account all the different pieces of work and also agreeing with the client whether you're providing editing or whether they're getting a first draft from you and then they're gonna work with an editor. So this is where you also get to say what you're willing to do in the process and then what you want to refer out to so they can get the next piece in. Mm. So for me, I do offer editing and then I have someone in-house that I contract with for proofreading. So um, she's a girl that I went to college with. We did our PhDs together. And so um, that... So that works really well, because I realized I'm just, at the end of the day, don't tell anybody I said this, but I'm not a good proofreader. Oh it's on your podcast, yeah, so I guess yeah. it's there. <laughs> I'm a terrible <laughs> proofreader. And this is
0: where we need to give work to specialists. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You're amongst friends, Sydney.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yes. And then I also have people I refer out to for book covers and book formatting, because those are other things people are going to need. So they can put it out there to the world, but they're not things that I wanted to further specialize in. Okay. So what it sounds like is you've got really that end to end process
0: covered, but for the bits that you don't want to do you will hook your clients up with people who can do it that's really good because you don't want to just drop them off and go there's your first draft bye 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 exactly <laughs> so what are the what are the red flags for customers who just aren't ready for a book yet
1: yes Um, people who do, who are, let's say, oh, well, this, um, I had a client who is a caterer. She's an entrepreneur. Her catering business is less than two years old. And she came to me because she had a book idea that was from a life experience that wasn't in any way connected to the catering business. Right. And, when we got onto a call, she was like, she wouldn't really want to do speaking around it. Um, she wouldn't want to upsell to one-to-one coaching, you know, and so we ended up coming to a point where, you know, it sounds like this is a passion project, and if you don't know how you would make money on it, and you don't have the, the um, luxury income to just do it because you want to, then it's probably not a good idea. So um, definitely if you don't have a profit plan for your book, um, it probably wouldn't make sense to work with me um, unless you're comfortable with this just being a passion project. Yeah, that makes sense. And what about maybe
0: customers who don't want to go through the blueprint process. I, I <laughs> bet that's a big red
1: flag. <laughs> yes. I had somebody with a series of um, articles that he'd been posting on a blog and he wanted to turn that into a book. And I was like, cool. Yeah. But they were a lot of them about um, kind of political current events and finance. And so some of it I thought should be updated. And he really didn't like that suggestion, <clears throat> which I found you know, slightly odd, but, um, and then just the goals that he had for the book weren't really realistic. I realized that, you know, if I couldn't educate him about having more realistic goals as a self-published author, that, um, he probably wouldn't be satisfied with my services. Yes. And so then I did not make a proposal to get started. Um, I just said I was booked up and I sent him to a website where he might find somebody else.
0: That's good. Yeah, I mean, that's having the realistic expectations of what happens next is so important because as you said, if they're not going to be satisfied because their expectations aren't met, then it kind of mm-hmm. doesn't really matter what happens. It could be the best yeah. book, <laughs> but it's going to be a misalignment. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thinking, you know how you said you you work, you know people who can do titles and all those kind of things. Do you offer those as upsells or do you just hook people up with the next step?
1: Currently, I just hook people up with the next step. Um, and I do that. So that way I don't get a referral bonus or anything like that, but I just keep those good relationships with those contractors. Yes. And it also gives the client the freedom to look other places as well. And I always tell them, you know, I have a, she is so good. Um, the book covers that she makes are brilliant. But I say, you know, She's offered a special deal to my clients, but feel free to look at 99 designs if you want something at a slightly lower dollar point that will still get you a nice cover. You'll be happy to share and promote. So um, I never want people to feel boxed in either to hire me as a ghostwriter or to have to work with the people in my black book. But I do try to make it easy for them because they're vetted and I already have clients that had good experiences with them.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I guess when it's not an upsell, you're not responsible for that relationship and the quality of the work and things like that, because I know it sometimes sounds appealing to go, I'm going to offer an end-to-end service, but Mm -hmm. then we become responsible for the subcontractor's work and it's just
1: a big yes, headache. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's definitely something I stepped my toe in for one hot minute and quickly pulled it out. <laughs> yes. And,
0: you know, we, we actually did an episode on subcontracting mm-hmm. um, where Kate and I talked about how it can sound really awesome, but the mm-hmm. reality of it is, is sometimes very, very different. So, so what's the final product that you give your clients is it the first draft the final draft is it you talked about proofreading so yeah what is their final product for them
1: yes the final product is a proofread document that is ready to be uploaded for formatting and to be published so um At that point, I've done everything that I promised that I would do to take your book through all the stages of editing. So the conceptual edit, which is when we do the interviews for the first draft, the developmental edit, where we take it apart and put it all together in a smarter way. And then the line edit proof, the line edit copy edit, when we just look sentence by sentence for word choice and you know, any blah, blah, blah that just needs to be omitted because it kind of doesn't fit now that we see how everything goes together at the end. Mm. And then, you know, just a final proofread to make sure all the punctuation and grammar um, follows the rules unless we intended to break them. And you mentioned formatting for publishing.
0: Is that an extra service? Is that something quite special?
1: It is actually. There's specialized software to do it. And what it does is convert the word document page into a page maker that has the page formatted for the size book that you've selected. Right. Um, and that will, um, and everything else is going to be variable according to the size of the page that you've selected. So when you're working from the word document, um, if you're like, I have a client who was concerned that two subheadings were appearing on the same page number, but, um, and first of all, Michael Port does that in book yourself solid. So you're still in good company, but also, um, once you have it formatted and there are much less words per page, um, that's much less likely to happen. So really when you're looking at the Word document, that's not the time to talk about formatting beyond like does your, comp, does your client want, you know, some boxes or some images to be inserted because um, that all happens in formatting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So once there's a proofread version, um, it goes formatting for publishing. The cover's got to be designed. Yes. And then it goes to a publisher. Is that, is that it?
1: Yes. So for self-publishing, I recommend Ingram Spark, And the advantage there is they have competitive um, royalties with Amazon's CreateSpace. But with Ingram Spark, you can upload your book for sale on Amazon still as well as barnesandnoble.com and I think 12 other online book sellers. Nice. So you get a lot more bang for the same amount of effort. And, um, they're just really easy to work with. They also help you have your book distributed where it gets in front of librarians to possibly purchase for their libraries. Oh, nice. And um, they do wholesaling. So if you have a local bookstore that agrees to carry your book, you don't have to bring them in your car. They can um, <laughs> get a wholesale price from um, Ingram Spark, which is a really nice professional way to do it. So it really wow. makes you more professional.
0: Yes. And I love that companies like that are making it easier for people to move beyond an ebook that's done yes. in Word and has some graphics in it to something that is more professional and much more like a regular book because that's what it is. Yes. So that's so that's one of the um the resources. Ingram Spark, do you have any other top resources that you would recommend to people who are interested in this?
1: Yes. Um Jen Friedman has an amazing website it is jenfriedman.com um she's a former editor with the new york publishing houses and just um she has information on every topic from how to choose a good book title um to how to write a book query letter if you did want an agent and all kinds of information on editing. Nice. Um, when I first started ghostwriting, I was on her website almost every day. Awesome. That is, oh, thank goodness for websites
0: like that that help everyone get started. Absolutely. Any other favorite
1: resources? Um, the Creative Pen. Oh, so, yes. Joanna? Yes. <laughs> yes, Joanna Penn, also just a plethora of resources for self published authors and people that want to traditionally publish as well. And um, I would also plug writing groups like um, the Writers League of Texas here in Texas. Um, that's a great place for online and in person writing workshops um, because when you're writing books, you don't just want to be proficient in writing information, you still want it to be engaging and gripping. So when you think about enhancing your skills in storytelling, and you know, maybe taking a fiction writing class, um, that can be a huge boon in helping you um, be more successful in writing, you know, really wordy, prose when you think, how am I going to come up with 40,000 words here? Mm. (laughs) It's good to have more skills beyond just kind of exposition and technical writing. Excellent. I love that. Um, Let's
0: talk about, before we wrap up, your creative writing. Do you do much creative writing?
1: I do, actually. I was just um, a juried poet with the Houston Poetry Fest here in Houston and yesterday, I taught a creative writing class at WriteSpace Houston. It was about how to get over the finish line. So for people with manuscripts that are just kind of gummed up and gummed up, and stuck in a drawer or something, how to pull it out and finish it, which had a lot to do with the writing write my book blueprint that we just talked about. You know, mm. um, I helped everybody create smart goals. <laughs> for their creative projects. And it was really powerful to see the light bulb come on where it's like, yeah, if I want to complete my poetry collection, I still need to do all the same things that I would need to do when I want to complete anything else in my professional life. Yes. And, um, I'm a really big fan of taking your creative writing seriously, because at the end of the day, your novel is also a product for sale. And, um, you know, It's a creative, passionate project, but it's also going to, for me, it makes me a better writer in everything that I do for my clients when I'm in the self-help and memoir space as well. Absolutely. And I I think
0: if we can bring those lessons to these kind of business books, they are more interesting and engaging to read. Absolutely. Awesome. So what have you got coming up, Cindy, and where can people find you?
1: Yes. So the next thing I have is actually a writing workshop at WriteSpace Space Houston called hashtag me too. And it's about how to write about um hard to write about um sexually natured scenes that are not sexy. <laughs> so <laughs> that's something different. But when you think about it from a creative writing perspective, that would be if it's gonna be in a memoir. Um, but at the same time, um, A lot of times when I'm helping people write their books, there's a client I'm thinking of in particular who had some workplace sexual harassment that was a big impact in why she became an entrepreneur. So helping her write that is a business book situation where I can directly bring the creative writing skills that I'm teaching creative writers and use it um, here in this business book setting and you can find me at www.cindychildress.com. i recently got my own domain name um, another a christian writer used to have it which was awkward cuz then people would find it and be like she is a writer but it doesn't look like you can hire her yeah <laughs> <laughs> but now it's me so that's exciting and you can head over there and take advantage of my freebie how to write your 22nd power sentence for authors
0: nice oh we'll definitely include a link to that in the show notes and thank you very much cindy that was a really jam-packed you know boatload of tips on how to write books for other people i think those resources are going to be fantastic
1: i'm going to include everything in the show notes but i really want to thank you for your time today it's really good likewise i had a great time speaking with you those were smart questions oh good yay (laughs) and look if anyone has is who is listening
0: now has some follow-up questions about getting into this post them um to us at hot copy and we'll get you in touch with cindy or just go straight to her website cindy's a very generous person and obviously in the teaching mode so i love that Um, Now, regular listeners will know that this is the time we read out a review of the show. Today, we're giving a shout out to Mike Sullivan or Sully from the USA. And Mike says, I just started listening to the hot ladies on Hot Copy and they've got me all hot and bothered. Each episode, I should have read this first really. Each episode is oozing with oodles of actionable tips I can implement in my copywriting business right now. Thanks so much for dropping value bombs, making me laugh and helping me make money. Thanks, Sally. And thank you, Sally. That that was a great review. And thank you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review. Um, iTunes, Stitcher, that's where we're at. We're also on Spotify, you know. But your review helps other people find us. And, of course, just like Sally, we'll give you a shout-out on the show. You can also head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode. So thank you once again, Cindy. I really appreciate your time today. My pleasure, thank you. And happy writing, everyone.
1: Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit
0: Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business.
1: You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts.